to Closing the Digital Divide, the podcast dedicated to creating meaningful conversations and sharing valuable insights from industry leaders, policymakers, equipment manufacturers, and others on Closing the Digital Divide. I am your host, Charles Thomas, and together we'll explore the policies, challenges, triumphs, and innovative solutions that are reshaping the digital landscape. Join me as we shed a light on the importance of equal access, digital literacy, and the transformative impact technology can have on our unserved and underserved communities. Get ready to be inspired, informed, and empowered as we work towards closing the digital divide, one episode at a time. Welcome to the conversation that's shaping our future. This is Closing the Digital Divide. And I got to tell you, folks, I am really, really excited to have the Miss Brooke Coleman join us again. Brooke was our first guest on the very first podcast we did. And she is so enlightened, and I'm just excited to have her back. Brooke, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Charles. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, Brooke, you have uh, you have a new home now. You're just you're just moving up and starting to take over the world here. You know, it's going to be <laughs> I don't know president about that. here in a couple <laughs> of years. Uh, I see it coming. I see it coming. Tell us a little bit about uh, where you are and and what you're doing now. Sure. So, um, same same background, same living room, but uh, but new new hat that I'm wearing. So now I work for Nokia, and I'm doing I'm an account manager for the Southeast region, and so I do sales and business development um, in in the tier three market. So selling fiber to the home, equipment, OLTs, ONTs. Didn't know what those meant four weeks ago, but I'm starting to, um, and you know, learning about the different electronics and things that go into running a fiber network. Um, um, so still learning a lot, only about six weeks on the job, but um, I, I have a territory, so I'll be covering Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, West Virginia, Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Um, so that's sort of my my focus region and, you know, talking to tier three internet service providers over there. Okay, fantastic. And I apologize for the little phone call deal <laughs> that came up during your, uh, during your introduction there, you know, being a, being a former... Uh, person that was in TV, I, I would always tell everybody, turn your cell phones off right before we start mm-hmm. recording. Whose phone, whose cell phone <laughs> do you think always went off just like it did there? Yeah, no worries. <laughs> I'll go, Charles. <laughs> All right. So, Brooke, um, I was scanning your uh, your LinkedIn page and I saw something that really uh, interests me. And that is the Enhanced Alternative Connect America cost model uh, announcement. Could you um, give us an overview of the Enhanced Connect America cost model, EACAM, as the, the acronym goes, and its primary objectives in bridging the digital divide? Yeah, sure. So the, the FCC uh, approved a report and order the, the end of July for this enhanced ACAM program. Um, and, and I'm a visual learner, so I kind of put together just one slide to kind of give an overview of, of the highlights. And so basically what it is, is an optional subsidy program. So it's it's taking the the original ACAM and ACAM2 program and enhancing it, right? That's why it's called enhanced ACAM. And so it's extending that program an additional 10 years. 
at the cost of between 1.27 billion to 1.33 billion annually for the, the using the SEC USF funds. So essentially, it's it's expanding the the ACAM program another 10 years, but there's going to be some certain requirements that go with it. So that's where you know these these requirements listed here. Um, a participant in order to participate, you have to be already in the ACAM program. So ACAM one or ACAM two or receiving legacy support. So only those folks are allowed to participate and they get to choose. So this is this is an optional program. They aren't you know, opted in. They don't have to participate. They get to say yes or no. Um, and they have to say that by October 1st of 2023. So so they have to decide and, and declare if they're going to participate. So eligible areas for this enhanced program are basically those that are unserved and underserved. Anything mm -hmm. that is below 100 over 20. And it can't have already additional funding. Um, for example, you know, capital projects fund, they are rolling out their grants in all the different states. If a state, you know, gives a grant to a provider that overlaps with that area, it's not eligible because there's federal dollars set to, to build sure. broadband to that location. So they can't have government funding allocated to it and it needs to be unserved or underserved. And then the providers have to deploy 100 over 20 megabits per second broadband service to 100% of their service area. And ACAM is, is in census blocks. So it'd be 100% of that census block that they have to serve 100 over 20. The previous, you know, ACAM 2 program was a speed of 25 over 3. And so now they're bumping the speed up. And they're saying they have to serve 100% of those unserved, underserved locations. And the, the interesting thing is deployment has to be completed by 2028. Those of you following the B program, probably ringing some bells, it matches that, that timeline. And that's the purpose of this program. Reading through the report and order, there's a lot of rules and requirements that, that match the B program. And so that was, the, I think, the intention of the FCC is to sort of align and, and match a lot of the B requirements. Um, some other requirements is the provider must provide voice services and they must participate in the FCC ACP program. Um, and then the difference here, you know, with past ACAM programs, providers have had 10 years to deploy to the, their locations and, and deploy the service. This program, they will receive the funding for that additional 10 years, but their deployment needs to be done by the end of 28, like I said. So there's a deployment milestones chart here and you can see that by the end of 26, they have to have 50% of their locations up and running to that, that speed requirement. Then by the end of 27, they have to have 75% of their locations. And then obviously by the end of 28, 100%. Um, so that's kind of the timeline we're, we're looking at. You know, um, Brooke, when I first saw this, I, I thought the timing was a bit odd. Of of releasing this, I mean, it's after the Fabric Mac challenge period, and also after the bead allocation announcement has been made. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah. Why is the timing of this, or or is it me, or am I being odd? <laughs> no, no, it is. It is odd, and the industry, the the FCC, part of their process is to open up a report and com a report in order to comment to the public and to the industry, um, and to to participants. So, participants said exactly what you're saying. So, so you're not odd. You're you're right on track with what everyone else is saying. And they're saying, you know, some folks in the industry said, let's wait. You know, let's let's calm down and wait until after you know bead settles down and then and then regroup. But the FCC said no. 
We are not going to, to do that. We don't want to wait. People need to be connected now. Um, and they also said it's in the best interest of the public that they activate the program now. So they are, um, they also said that proceeding now to, to fund these areas is an efficient use of federal funds. So the, it's all outlined in the report and order, but it's over 100 pages of reading. So, um, you know, <laughs> don't go through and read all of that, but it's there. And the FCC does address it and they recognize that it's, you know, it is bad timing, but it needs to happen now and people need to be connected now. So, again, just it is so important to close the digital divide now. Um, and then Agreed. if you think about it from, from the state broadband perspective, the state broadband offices are building their five-year plans and their initial proposals for the BEAD program. Mm -hmm. To me, it's it's so difficult to, to be able to make those plans if you don't know if your providers are gonna participate in this enhanced ACAM program. So right. um, for reason being, one example is um, Mike Conlow did a deep analysis into these funds and um, he, he posted an article that, that's on my LinkedIn if you want to find it. But he mentioned that 582,675 locations could be removed from the BEAD program because if folks participate in here, then you know it's going to make those areas no longer eligible for BEAD because they're gonna be providing a uh, 100 over 20 service. And so they would be considered served. So that's gonna remove uh, a significant chunk of unserved and underserved areas for the BEAD program. So in his article, he goes along to explain Nebraska, for example, they, if their ACAM participants participate in this program, then they could have 23% of their unserved and underserved locations covered by enhanced ACAM. So that means less B dollars are going to be required to build to those locations. Mm -hmm. So Nebraska, for example, the state broadband office is having to create this five-year plan and an initial proposal to the, to the NTIA. And if 23% of their locations are essentially removed, they're going to have more B dollars to play with. So that means more folks could be connected to fiber or more folks could be, you know, they could use it for other programs like an affordability program within the state. So mm -hmm. I think I understand the timing is weird, but it really does, like the FCC says, make use of the, the federal funds, because if you can remove more unserved, underserved locations and make more room for the bead money to go further, then then that's great. Sure. That's in the best interest mm -hmm. of the public. Folks have been saying bead isn't enough and it's not going to be enough to 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 get everyone connected. Well, this is another method to sort of just add to the pot, add to the pile of, you know, potential opportunities for for folks to get connected. So, I have a I have a follow-up to that. It's really a a two-part question. Okay. Um one, why why would an ISP, I mean, they're given an option to to participate in this. Why would they not participate in it? And part two of that is you mentioned there's 582, 675 locations that would be removed from beads. Mm -hmm. What happens to those locations should the ISP say, no, we don't want to participate in the uh, uh, enhanced ACAM? Yeah, so, so part one, a, a provider may not want to participate in this program because it might not make feasible financial sense. Um, you know, 
at first glance, it's like a no brainer, right? You you already have this this area, this location. You want to go mm -hmm. in and, and you have the opportunity to essentially block the competition from from getting a bead grant, because if you accept enhanced ACAM, you're promising these speeds and you're therefore, you know, blocking them from applying for bead funds. So in that sense, it's good. However, the the dollar amount I want to say is in the past, it was about fifty two dollars per month per per passing or per so subscriber um, or per, sorry, per location. They've upped it, I think, to sixty two dollars with a maximum of two hundred dollars per location um, per month. So that dot they had essentially a provider needs to run the numbers. They got to crunch out the numbers and see, does it mm. make sense? Does that, you know, let's say $70 a month over the period of 10 years, give me enough in order to build to this location, because these locations are probably less than 10 homes per square mile. They may cost, and I'm just throwing out a number here because it's going to be an average, but they may cost 20 grand to build to that one location. So they're, they're going to have to run the numbers and see, does it financially make sense? Um, you know, folks that are participating in ARDOF and maybe, you know, some of these other subsidy programs, they, they're losing money because of inflation, because of the cost of things, because of the cost of labor, the cost of things are going up. And over the next 10 years, the cost of things are going to continue to go up. So they also have to take those factors into consideration when they're running their formulas to see, is it going to make sense in 10 years? Will, what will you know seventy dollars a month be mean to me in sure. ten years? With the rate inflation is going, it might be pennies, you know. Um, so that that's one reason a provider may not participate is because it may not make financial sense. <clears throat> and then um, your second question is what happens if those you know five hundred eighty-two thousand-ish locations are removed from the bead program? Are they you, you know what happens to those? Well, they are no longer eligible for bead. Because if a if a provider says that they are going to provide service to that location for 100 over 20, then they don't meet the bead eligible eligible rules, right? So those essentially, you know, those locations aren't aren't going to be available for folks to apply for bead. Sure. Um, now I have to caveat this because the FCC is special, and they <laughs> they are. Don't we know that? <laughs> <laughs> they 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 are technology neutral. So part of their rules is demonstrating, you know, showing that they are technology neutral. So a provider can participate in enhanced ACAM and deploy 100 over 20 broadband service to a location with unlicensed wireless, fixed wireless, right? Mm -hmm. That is allowed. Now, if you know the bead rules for bead, if an area has 100 over 20 unlicensed service, then it's eligible for bead. So that's sort of where the disconnect lies. If if you and that's one of the pieces of the enhanced ACAM program is you have to disclose if you're going to participate by October 1st and then what technology you plan to use. If it's going to be fiber, cable or licensed or unlicensed fixed wireless. Because if you're doing unlicensed fixed wireless, that location is still going to be eligible for bead. Does that make sense? It's our government, of course it makes sense. <laughs> right? <Clear as> <laughs> Yeah, it, that's that's one of the differences, I think, between the agencies of the SEC and the NTIA. NTIA has said unlicensed wireless, you know, is is going to be non-reliable and the FCC is trying to remain technology neutral. So that that could actually cause some issues um, with within an area. 
I mean, mm-hmm. if you if you build to enhance ACAM, then you are potentially opening up yourself for overbuild from beads. If yeah, I mean, you would have. I look at it a little differently. Yes, technically, I think it's the the overbuild word, but. I see it as competition. You know, if you take enhanced sure. ACAM, for example, and you mm-hmm. build unlicensed wireless at 100 over 20, you can do that. Then someone can come in and apply for bead, and they can build fiber or you know licensed fixed wireless at 100 over 20. At the end of the day, the consumer wins. Then they have choice. A lot of Absolutely. folks in these areas don't have choice. So right. yes, you're yes you're building you know two services that may be of the, the same speed, but from a consumer standpoint, they, they get choice and then they're going to have a lower price. And a lot of this funding too is about affordability. And if you create competition, then you create affordability. Um, yeah, and that makes that makes perfectly good sense. I mean, and, and I, I guess I was thinking of it in terms, if you're doing an unlicensed fixed wireless, you know, you're going to be right around that 100 by 20. And that may be your, your threshold there mm-hmm. where a fiber build could come in and say, hey, we're going to give you 500 over 100 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, as I, I'm thinking of this as an ISP right now, do I really want to participate in that with the possibility of back to yeah. your point earlier, does it make good business sense mm-hmm. to to do this or can I start building fiber to these locations and kind of protect my investment? So hmm. yeah, yeah, from an ISP perspective, I can see where that you, you're going to really have to start crunching um, the numbers. And, 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 and that kind of led me to, you kind of answered this, this question, but I was going to talk about, um, you know, how does enhance ACAM take into account the potential for future upgrades and expansion of broadband broadband networks and technologies as you know as technology continues to evolve. Yeah, I think it, it sort of does in the sense where you know folks are given the choice. You you know they could build fiber to a location and use these funds to do that, and I think that makes sense to block bead, um, mm-hmm. and then you're going to block those bead locations. But it doesn't really take into account anything in the future, right? Future upgrades or future expansions. I guess you know it. It, it's for 10 years. What is broadband going to look like in, in 10 years? I think this right. program does show, though, that the FCC is flexible to adjusting to the market and to the industry. Um, you know, they're adjusting their their old ACAM program in order to meet the needs of society and the market and, and the way things are running today. So I think it, it speaks volumes to the FCC that they aren't just going to be stagnant. And, and stay put and, you know, make the, the 25 over three be the requirement. They're they're also upping the bar so that folks, you know, provide faster speeds to, to the industry when, when people need it. You know, the, the average broadband download upload speed now is like 400 over 30, something like that. And that's the average. So, you know, even 100 over 20 isn't really enough, but it's it's getting there, right? We're, we're getting there. But in 10 years, when this program is done, what does that look like? I think you know, the FCC, maybe they will adjust it again. I, I really don't know what, what things are going to look like in 10 years. But just looking at historically, we have ACAM 1, ACAM 2, now enhanced ACAM. Every five-ish years, they're making some sort of adjustment and um, tweaks to their program in order to adjust to the market. Wow, that, that sounds like a, a story coming out of the, uh, 
the uh, metaverse there. You know, we got <laughs> ACAM one, ACAM two, ACAM three. You know, what's right. what's next? <laughs> what's next, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, kind of talking through that as as we see the the digital landscape continue to evolve. Um, how do you envision Enhance ACAM evolving to meet those challenges? I mean, it's a 10-year period that, mm-hmm. that we're talking about, right? Um, how do you see those, those challenges being met? You know, we just, we just had a discussion here. Do we do fix or do we do unlicensed fix? Do we do licensed fix? Do we do mm-hmm. uh, fiber to the home? Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, so I, I can't really tell the future, and I'm not really sure because the FCC, like I said, is very stagnant in their 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 stance of we are technology neutral. So I don't see the future being, you know, requiring it to be all fiber. The NTIA mm-hmm. is prioritizing fiber for B, but I don't see the the FCC doing that because that goes against their core beliefs. So potentially, you know, maybe they just move the speed bar up. But when the SEC does any sort of major changes to a program, they're going to have to go through their whole legal process. If you ever read their report and orders, you can tell they're written by lawyers. And and it's a dense process for them to change anything. I think it's going to be five to eight years before we see any sort of change and, and you know, mm-hmm. future potential upgrade to, to the program, if any. Right. Maybe maybe they don't make any sort of changes. But. You know, by I think this enhanced ACAM program is predicted to end by 2038. A lot's going to change between now and 2038. So the only thing that at this moment in time I can predict them changing is the speed. You know, providing additional funding, using additional USF funds to 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 up the speed. Because as we're building out to these rural areas that are you know now getting 100 over 20. The, in the city, in you know big New York City or Chicago, I mean even here me in Nashville, I'm getting a gig to my home. And, you know, I see the future going up even higher. So if I'm getting a gig, these rural areas are only 100 over 20. What's it going to look like in five to 10 years? They're going to also want a gig, but are providers going to be able to afford, you know, upgrading that area to a gig? Those folks that are on fiber, it's, you know, an easy swap of equipment from Nokia, right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Had to throw that in there. But, you know, if it's not fiber and it's it's a wireless area, which some of these states, they're only going to be able to cover, uh, you know, maybe 20 to 40% of their unserved, underserved locations with fiber. And the rest are going to have to be fixed wireless just because of of the cost. And the reason I know that is I read through recently that ACA Connects has a really good Cartesian study for each state. And it identifies the, the amount of bead fundings that that is going to an area, the number of unserved and underserved locations. And then further down in the document, they estimate how many locations, what percentage of that state can be covered with fiber with their bead funds. Um, and so that's an interesting thing to look at based on, you know, their high cost areas, sure, if they're going to sure. be able to fund with fiber. So sorry, that was a very long-winded tangent answer. <laughs> no, but, you know, as, as we as we look at technology and even fiber, right? The fiber we have today is not the fiber that was back in the 80s, right? That performance level's gonna. Same way with with fix. I mean, we look at we look at the uh, fixed technology of uh, you know of you know even five years ago compared to where it is now. And if you read some of the reports, that mm-hmm. you know they're 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 getting higher and higher performance measures as well. So right. You know, I, I think as as technology evolves, we will continue to evolve and 
and uh, uh, be able to meet those challenges. I mean, the manufacturers out there, they're already looking down the road, right? So um, yes, I, I think it has probably more to do with policy than, than performance. Um, you know, a, a lot of rural areas, um, is, and, I, and I can only speak to the ones that, that we serve, right? We have a lot of older um, subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't necessarily are, are going to require those, those, you know, gig speed, right? Right, yeah. As long as Netflix doesn't buffer, as long as... Uh, mm-hmm. We can uh, we can conference call with the with the uh, with the grandkids or, or whatever. Um, so I think a lot of it's going to be dependent on specific areas and 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 use, right? Uh, particularly. So Brooke, I want to shift gears here a little bit. Um, yeah. It's awesome that you have uh, you know, and we kind of joked a little bit before we got on a call. And I'm estimating that it will take you three or four months before you're running all of Nokia because you're just that <laughs> sharp. Um, I did see a pretty cool article um, on the uh, the Buy America concerns. Tell us a little bit about what Nokia is doing. And you guys had a pretty high-ranking official uh, there that you were rubbing elbows with. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it was actually yesterday. Um, yesterday, we had a really big announcement at Nokia, um, and Vice President Kamala Harris was there to to kind of co- commemorate and be a part of the the announcement. But what Nokia is doing is we're we're bringing manufacturing back to the United States. So uh, the NCIA, you know, as they're building out the bead program, they had this order from from Pe- President Biden to you know, have the Build America, Buy America requirements part of the BEAD program. And they, you know, have said, we don't want to provide waivers. We really need everything to as much as possible to be onshored here to the United States. Well, um, Gina Raimondo, the the secretary at the NTIA Commerce, she met with Pekka, who is our CEO at Nokia, and asked, what can you do? Can you onshore some of your manufacturing to make this happen? Um, and so, you know, it took a little bit of time, took a very big team to make this initiative happen and, and a lot of, and a partnership. And so, but we, we delivered. And so Nokia is going to be manufacturing the, the fiber to the home electronics that are required for, for bead and the, in the fiber projects in Kenosha County, Wisconsin. Um, and so, you know, providing those electronics with the, the goal of that build America by America now, the, the compliance in me will caveat that the NTIA has not published their BABA guidelines yet, um, but it was very important for Nokia as a company to listen to, to the president's initiative and listen to the NTIA and bring manufacturing back here to the United States. So as Nokia leads in this effort, um, do you see other manufacturers following suit? I don't know. Um, you know, there hasn't been, we are the first to make this sort of announcement of bringing manufacturing here to the United States and manufacturing these products here. We are the first there. So if if others are to come, I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, we, we don't know what our competitors are going to be doing, um, if, they, if they can make that happen or not. So we'll just, just have to wait and see. So if they don't, then Nokia gets all the business. And- um. I mean, like we'll, that, we have to again, like, like I said, dump thing where uh, he was the only boat out there getting <laughs> right. all the shrimp. 
<laughs> yes. No, but but like I said, the NCIA hasn't released their their BABA requirement or their BABA guidelines yet. So mm-hmm. we don't know anything until they they release that document and you know sort of see where the chips fall. Well, um, let's let's give Nokia a big hand for uh, really jumping out and um, making that Absolutely. happen. Absolutely. Um, cause I, I know that's, that's not it. I mean, we kind of joke about it here a little bit, but I know that's, that, t- that had to be a huge undertaking. Yes. Right. To move that man manif- all that manufacturer from wherever it was to within here, within the United States. So again, big hand clap to Nokia for that. Definitely. Well, Brooke, Thank you. As always, this has been a joy and a delight talking you. You're always so full of information and and knowledge i i so enjoy chatting with you um and again i'm gonna say the same thing that i said before <laughs> got to promise to come back and do it again on the next big thing that comes up i would be happy to it's a joy charles thank you so much for having me and and it's great to talk talk to you and you know i like sharing knowledge i like this is what i enjoy doing it brings me joy to to share knowledge and educate folks so happy to do it thank you for having me so before I let you go, um, tell our audience how they can find out more about this Nokia initiative and, and more about what you're doing. Sure. So, um, I mean, I think probably the quickest and easiest way is to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm posting about this ACAM program. I posted about our, our Nokia announcement yesterday and the live stream that, that went on. So uh, that's sort of the quickest and easiest way. Feel free to message me on there and, you know, connect to see the post and all the, the things that I referenced today. Um, name is Brooke Coleman. It's super easy. If you search me, I'm sure it'll come up. But you can also reach me via email, uh, brooke.coleman at nokia.com. And would be happy to talk to anyone. Awesome. Well, folks, we've come to the end of another informative and empowering episode. Uh, we want to thank our host, our guest. I guess I'm the host. We want to thank our <laughs> guest, Brooke Coleman, for being here with us today. Um, again, Brooke's always full of great information. And remember, uh, folks, the power to bridge the digital divide lies within each of us. It's all of our responsibility to champion digital inclusion, advocate for equal access, and to embrace all technology's potential to take us there. By doing so, we create a world where everyone has a fair chance to thrive in the digital age. Again, we want to thank our our, uh, esteemed guest, Brooke Coleman, and we look forward to sharing with you. Thanks, Brooke. Thank you, Charles.